0: City Hope, if i get your attention back this way, please. Well, it, it's great to have you with us this morning, and uh, I'm sure you picked up, there's a, a bit of a sense of the sort of the, the new term, uh, the new year as we get going again after, you know, the summer break. Who's had a good summer break? Okay, good. So there's a few of us. So who's not had a good summer break then? Who's... Cause, it, it was, oh, they're still waiting, still waiting for the summer break, I shouldn't assume. So, um, but yeah, I'm going to do, uh, I've just spotted, I'm going to do, I know there's uh, many people here visiting us for the first time, or been coming along a few weeks, so I'm just going to do that embarrassing point, someone out who i just spotted. Uh, welcome back to Deborah Hobbs. Uh, Deborah, if you like to stand and give us a wave, Deborah, so... Now, um, many of us do know Deborah. She's been part of the church here for many years, but hasn't been living in London just recently. Uh, and in fact, she's a part-time member of staff here. Uh, she's been Dave's PA and helped coordinate some of uh, all the international trips, some of the teams that have gone out. deborah has been doing all the work and has now moved back to London, I believe, haven't you? Now back here. So uh, not just visiting us as such again, but back with us. So it's great to have you, Deborah. Um, again, so just catch up just... Uh, Further to some of Paul's announcements, there is no prayer meeting this Wednesday. I know we often have a prayer meeting first Wednesday of the month, but with the 40 days coming up, and we just shifted out of sync there, and I know some of you had already asked me or others about that. So, um, But yeah, we're at the start of a new academic year, um, a new term in that sense, and there's often a sense of the new, the freshness, and you know, what is God going to do even today? let alone the rest of the year. And I hope you're excited and full of anticipation about how we might see God's kingdom extend uh, through us in the lives of uh, City Hope Church over the next year or so. And we're kicking off. This isn't just, uh, if you like, a title of this particular sermon series over the next six weeks. As elders, we want this uh, phrase, if you like, to be something of a theme for the next year as we think about being the people of God in a post-Christian society. We are the people of God, aren't we? Yep. Yeah. But the world around us isn't necessarily always dead, really receptive to the things of God and Jesus. And uh, actually, scholars seemingly debate the phrase post-Christian society. But anyway, we've, we've, we've used that one. Uh, in some ways, people describe it as a post-Christian society. And it sometimes changes or means we have to think carefully and be wise about how we live our lives, how we speak God's love and the truth of the gospel to people. Uh, And it's just something we want to cover in different ways uh, across uh, the next year. And in particular, yes, in these uh, next six weeks as we look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'll be looking at, uh, be reading the first half of that passage in a second uh, and making a few comments. Before I do that, there was another thing that I suppose is on my heart and my mind that I wanted to say. Just across the summer, reflecting a bit, reading a few bits, thinking about Jesus a bit, which is a good thing to do. Probably should have done far more of it. Uh, And just, I believe God would love us to see, want us to get hold of him for more healing power. In the church. So just it, it's thinking again how, when you read about Jesus' responses to sickness in the gospel, he's almost, you might say, quite aggressive in terms of goes and heals the sick, deals with it. And of course, uh, before him, the sickness always went, the demon always fled from him. And just as we grow to become more and more like Jesus, following him more and more wholeheartedly, you can say we want to uh, pursue healing power and pursue healing like he seemed to. And as we become more like Jesus, believe that we'll see more healings and more power. And after today's uh, service, or you know, as part of the service at the end, jointing Coffee, uh, there'll be opportunity to be prayed for. And if you're sick in any way, shape, or form, we want to stand with you, different people who pray with you, and see God's healing power break out. It'd be good, wouldn't it? Amen. Who um, has ever been healed uh, supernaturally by God before as well? I know I have a good, good many years ago, it's a good thing, isn't it, when that happens? And we want to see that there's needs around us. We want to see that more and more. Okay, but back to uh, being the people of God in a post-Christian society, thinking of our challenges, privileges, of being the people of God in the world around us. Um, and here is the first, uh, first bit of the first chapter of... Pe- well, sorry, the whole series is uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1-25 to 25, over the next six weeks. Uh, we're going to be reading... Uh, just the first twelve verses today, and I'm not speaking. It. I'm going to have to come down here again so I can read it. So, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. That sounds good, doesn't it? Who wants more grace and peace in their life? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice... Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your salvation, sorry, the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstance to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. We're not looking at all this first day. That's some of what's coming up next week. Uh, We'll just look at the first few verses. Peter's writing uh, to a, a whole range of churches, churches in the region. And they're mainly Gentile Christians. It's not, if you know something of the New Testament background, Jesus obviously was a Jew, and the early church were lots of Jewish Christians, and gradually the gospel spread so that people from non Jewish backgrounds also uh, became Christians, Gentiles. And this letter is written to people that are mainly from a non Jewish background. It's quite difficult, actually, to be exactly, um, to be really accurate exact of when the letter was probably written, but people date it from AD 63, so within a lifetime of Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, and during the reign of uh, a Roman emperor, because the Romans ruling everything around those days, called Nero. Now, if you know a little bit of, uh, you know, sort of, you pick this up, a little bit of Roman history or sort of New Testament times, Nero was, uh, even as Roman emperors grow, not a great one. and. Uh, Christians under his rule got really quite severely persecuted. And uh, I probably should have checked the authenticity of that, but some of the stories of of him throwing garden parties with uh, lighting the garden by burning Christians on stakes and stuff. And actually, I'm not terribly sure if that's sort of an apocryphal story because he was quite horrible or really did happen. But they're the kind of stories that come out from his reign. And Peter is writing to Christians with uh, Nero and this sort of Roman Empire ruling over them and even the passage we read talked about them suffering and the sort of grief that they're going through as a result of that. Now possibly this letter was written just before the very official hardest persecutions actually started uh, but it's kind of looming on the horizon. Uh, And so they're sort of pondering what's coming their way, and and Peter's writing this context, encouraging churches, as you see, to sort of stand firm in their faith, but to be very wise in the way they are to those around them, because the culture around them is not necessarily very favourable to being a Christian, can even uh, be a little bit against it. And I hope, in some ways, although we're by no means expecting something like Nero's official persecution to come on us, there are some similarities, and the way Peter writes can really impact our lives as we think about our lives in the culture around us. That most definitely, the prevailing culture is not Christian as such, and maybe sometimes neutral, or sometimes even the sort of prevailing culture of society is kind of at odds against kind of living life for Jesus, biblical Christianity, a society that is much more secular in outlook, much more materialistic, individual, pluralistic, and not based so strongly on, if you like, a sort of a judo-Christian faith that maybe even was true of a generation or so ago. And so Peter's words to the Christians in their day can resonate with us today as we think, what does it mean to be the people of God in a post-Christian society. So I've called this uh, one Elect in Exiles as we look at just the first couple of verses um, and uh, as you kick off today's picture, all that by way of an introduction. So let's read this again. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance." So Peter, right at the start of this letter, to these Christians living in a tense situation, scattered around the regions mentioned here, um, uses two words to describe them. He calls them elect, and he calls them exiles. And these are two words that uh, we can sort of take, or we're going to think about and hopefully take on heart today about our lives as the people of God, if you're a Christian here, being both elect and exile. It's probably not uh, you know, a common word. You've probably not necessarily, if you've gone up to someone and called them, you're part of the elect or you're in exile. It's not exactly uh, as common, is it, to use those phrases, but they're great words uh, for us to think about and sort of pictorial for, for us. So the first one, the elect. Now elect, literally some Bible versions don't say elect in terms of when they translate from the Greek. They say God's chosen people. And it comes out as Peter's written to the elect uh, by what he then says later on. So uh, I'm writing to God's elect. And after going through the exiles bit, he says, so you have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. That's us. That's what to be elect means I say literally some translations don't say elect which is a slightly odd word you might say it says God's chosen people if you're a Christian here today you're part of God's chosen people you're the elect God the father has chosen you you've got his vote if you like he wanted you you haven't randomly stumbled on this Christian faith thing, but he loves you. He thinks you're amazing, despite all the stupid things we've all done, which the Bible calls sin. And he's picked you and chosen you. And he's done it by the Spirit coming, the sanctifying work of the Spirit that's come. and At some point, Tom described it when he was five, early during, you know, during the worship time where the Spirit of God comes and quickens your heart, if you like, that makes you realise the truth of it, that reveals God to you. you think, oh, God loves me. It's true. He's alive. He's real. And, uh, and you, you, the Bible describes language of going from death to life. Where the Spirit brings us to life. Jesus, some of his words, talked about you must be born again by the Spirit, born of the Spirit, the sanctifying work of the Spirit that enables us to come alive and realise God's choosing of us so that we can be obedient to Jesus. And he's accepting his lordship, saying, Jesus is Lord, I submit my life to you. I no longer go my own way. I'll become obedient to you, accepting what you've done on the cross, sprinkled with his blood. It's a picture of the cross and Jesus' blood shed for us, the sacrifice he made for us. That's what the elect is. In some ways here is just a great, you might say almost like a definition, I think, of a Christian. You know, often maybe people think of Christians, what's the definition of Christian? You start talking about the behaviour of how we're supposed to be. Christians are very good people. They're generally nice, kind to animals and old ladies and that type of thing. They, uh, you know, they're religious, they go to church, they're supposed to pray. You know, we do want to pray, don't we? We've heard that. But it's not about what we've done, is it? It's not about our efforts that has made us good Christians somehow. It's about God's choosing of us, his election of us. I want you. I want you. He wants us together. He has chosen us. He sent his spirit to quicken us, to make us realise that so that we can say yes to Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross. You know, maybe even today sometimes you feel you're not a very good Christian, or you just feel like you're a weak Christian in, in many ways. And of course, we do want to grow in our faith and grow to maturity. because the Bible talks about that. But we must be careful. We're not here just trying to be Christian. It's like we stand on what God's done for us. And this word to say that your elect should put such faith in us that God has chosen you. He's chosen us, if like as a church, to be here uh, in this Time in this place now to do his will, to live for him. It was his doing. And if you're not a Christian here uh, at the moment, if you've never given your life to Jesus, he wants you to respond to him because he'll choose you too, because he never turns anybody away. He wants everyone to come to know him. And you can do that today. God has chosen us. And it must have been encouraging for the Christians that Peter is writing to, as they're being, uh, you know, li- whether they're right in the throes of some severe persecution or the beginnings of it and looming in front of them, to think, it's, in some ways, it's okay. I'm with God, I'm chosen by Him. The world may be rejecting me and rejecting my faith and not liking what I stand for, but God has chosen me, and His opinion is more important to me than what everyone else says. Now he then also calls us exiles, or calls the Christians here exiles, and a, a word for us as well. So he said to the elect, um, uh, to God's elect, exiles scattered through all these provinces. I won't attempt to read all the names yet again. Here's a, a map. I don't know if you can see that in the light of just those areas. So this is where literally the Christians were living. This kind of region uh, and these areas. So churches dotted around there. Um, obviously we don't live there. We live around South London and beyond, uh, and we could say we're exiles scattered around those areas scattered here now just a a bit of an aside the word scattered there it's got strong links uh, so the greek's a word called diaspora and it's it's taking a term that was used of the jews in the old testament as they got scattered out from palestine and it's applying it to christians to churches uh, and taking on that uh, the people of god from being israel to being the people of god now being the church we're now the scattered ones the exiles the diaspora if you like and what's Peter driving at? What's he, why is he calling the Christians exiles? Right, can different uh, Bible versions use different words which can help give some understanding? Some versions might say foreigner, you're foreigners. Uh, older versions say aliens, I grew up in the church, and, uh, but I remember first discovering there were aliens in the Bible as a kid. It very much surprised me. I thought, this is terribly exciting. Um, but it's just an old-fashioned word for foreigner. Uh, so aliens or a uh, sojourner, which is, again, maybe a slightly old-fashioned word. But literally the sense of exile, sojourner, is someone that's passing through. They don't belong where they're scattered. It's where they're living at the moment. But they're passing through. Where do they belong? They belong in heaven, if you like. They belong with God. They're God's people. They're not part of the world in that sense. It's a a temporary thing. They're just uh, passing through. And of course, uh, Peter is saying that because he wants them to know that they're God's elect and actually the exile is just passing through so that the influence of the world that is in some ways against them, they respond rightly and correctly to it. Now some of you here obviously have come from, if you are foreigners as part of this country, you've come from other nations and then are living in the UK, living in London. And some of you have have been here longer than others, maybe some of you are passing through. We have some guests from Sierra Leone here today who are passing through. Welcome. Um, Welcome. you might say they're, they're passing through, they're sojourning through uh, a different culture. I'm sure plenty of things about the UK and the English or whatever surprise me. I think, why do you do that? That's terribly odd or, or weird. But some of you from different backgrounds and culture have been here longer. And if you're like, you're setting up home uh, in the UK, and slowly but surely, you get acclimatised from your uh, sort of home birth culture into UK culture. You change. People talk about maybe losing their accent or maybe you find that you start queuing in an orderly fashion (laughs) whereas you never used to do that before and it just sort of happens. You can't stop yourself talking about the weather anymore. It just happens. It's sort of become part of conversations around you. And, uh, or maybe you apologise even when someone else bumped you or trod on your toe as well. I feel that's probably a bit of an English thing. And you become acclimatised as you're uh, in somewhere. That, so you were from one culture coming to another culture and it can start changing you and affecting you. And in a sense you become, uh, whether you call it more English or British or whatever, I'm, I'm not sure. but of uh, course, in some ways that's what Peter's going to go on to be warning against. He wants us to have a sense in which we're not here setting up home. We're exiles, we're sojourners passing through. Don't become too acclimatised to some of the society and culture around you that is worldly, that is not uh, particularly godly. There's uh, another passage in the Bible uh, that uses the the same word of uh, uh, exile, or uh, in this case translated strangers from Hebrews, and this puts it very well. This is another New Testament passage. All these people, he's been writing about Old Testament heroes of faith. And writing about their lives being an example to us of how we're also to live for God. So it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. They knew they were just passing through. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The Christians Peter is writing to him for us today, we're called to think of ourselves as exiles. Exiles in that sense, to realise that we are just passing through. People who say such things show that they're looking for a better place, looking for God's kingdom to break in, show that their hearts, if you like, are set for heaven, that we don't get too attached to the world around us, to its, uh, you know, its habits and cultures too stuck in. Now, what, what does that look like? Over, I mean, church history, some people, Christians, therefore, completely distant themselves, almost like the hermit type thing, taken out from the world. I don't think, obviously, that's the answer. That wouldn't be a, that would be a big change of tact from what you hear at the front, wouldn't it if suddenly we're saying, you know, have nothing to do with the world, and that's nice, hide away in a cardboard box or something like that. But in our hearts, the Bible talks about not loving the things of the world, and that being enemy, en- enmity with God. And I think a challenge... For many of us here today, as we do live in the world, is saying, are, are our hearts, in a sense, uh, going in the way that the world, society, the people around us think? Are we starting to realise that we're we're living for the the money, or you know the comforts of life, or just to be popular, just to keep our heads down, uh, not making you know waves, just wanting to be uh, popular and friends with everybody, wherever it is? Or are our hearts saying? Um, that we've been thinking uh, of a heavenly city. That's where we want to go. And sure, we want to live our lives well now. Gracious and kind. And this is what Peter's writing to these churches about, how to do it whilst your heart is thinking, but I'm just passing through. I'm an exile. Don't forget you're elect. Don't forget it's God's chosen you. It's almost like if you forget you're an exile, you start making home in the world around you. It's like you've forgotten what God's done for you. No, you're elect. You're chosen by Him. you will sanctify the Spirit to be obedient to the gospel, to recognize Jesus' lordship over your life. That's what we want, isn't it? And we've got to, and over the next few weeks, we'll be hearing more as we go through uh, chapter 1 of Peter about what that's supposed to look like, you know, as we are in the world, but not letting it overwhelm us in ways that God doesn't want to happen to us with a mindset of an exile. There's another uh, verse that Jesus himself speaking, I'm struggling to see this in the light, if the world hates you even, if the world hates you even, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Really provocative passage, isn't it? We do not belong to the world. What does that mean? What does that look like? We'll be explaining some of that hopefully over the next few weeks in this series. But God has chosen us out of the world. But why do you have to tell the disciples that at the moment? Because well, they haven't just floated up to heaven. They wouldn't have to worry about it then, would they? been obvious. Well, of course I'm not part of the world. I'm in heaven. Life's easy. Because they're still in the world. Don't worry. Even if the world hates you, even if it responds badly to your Christianity, your faith. Something that arguably is happening slightly more and more in the UK and people around us. So we're to be mindful of that. Why is that? Don't be surprised we don't belong here, we're exiles, we're passing through. But we do want to serve people, we do want to love people, don't we, like Jesus did, like is on God's heart. So elect and exiles. I hope both encourage us and um, provoke us in different ways, that we've been chosen by God, but actually we're just passing through. That can be a great encouragement, of course, because if uh, you know, it's challenging. If life's going really, really well, or at different periods, don't get too attached. You're just passing through. You're going to leave it behind. But maybe life's really, really hard. You don't have to despair. You're just passing through. Heaven's on its way. And it's true, isn't it? It's a, it's a big thing. You're, we're God's elect together. And the two words maybe make you feel different things almost. It seems more uh, naturally encouraging, you might say, to think, oh, God has chosen me, I've chosen my God. What security uh, than to think of yourself as an exile passing through and what does that mean and what does that look like? But hopefully we will be able to reflect on those words and find, if you like, some of our, our identity of who we are as the people of God uh, captured in those words so that we are not just responsive to the world around us, but responsive to who God says we are, who he's called us to be, and that we will live our lives well in response to that. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray, and I know uh, there's a few other things people want to share uh, as we finish and pray for people at the end. Father, we thank you for uh, your gracious choosing of our lives, Lord God. We are so grateful that you have rescued us, that you sent your son to die for us. Lord, that we could know you, that we could be forgiven. Lord, and we thank you. Lord, many of us in this room, we we can remember the day or that period when we came to you, we chose you, and we realised that you had rescued us. You'd actually chosen us. You'd sanctified us by the Spirit. You'd cause us to see the Lordship of Jesus. And we're so grateful, Lord. And for all of us here, Lord God, we want to realise that that means we've been called out of the world in that sense. No longer to belong to it, though here we are, Lord. And we want to live wisely for you. We want to live godly lives for you. And Jesus, we just pray about, almost as serious as we look at that, Peter's teaching on that, Lord, that we would grow in maturity as your people, living well for you here, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.